True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya Tanakas, Fakakta, Jag like Michael Waka Polanco and Franco, Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on another wonderful Kokomo Friday, August 28th. Frank Stample alongside Scott White, and I'm back. Thank you, Scott, for holding things down with... What's his name again? Oh, oh right. Adam Azer. Yeah, it was nice to see that he still knew what baseball uh, was, so congrats. Now you guys did yeah. a great job. And how was it having Adam back? Oh, it was it was grand. It was grand. I got to show him my fun new uh, soundboard trick. <laughs> he got a kick out of it. So, you know, it's divisive. I'm not going to do it right now. I'll give you guys a day off. But he liked it. Honestly. You like it. I like it. So, you know. I do. I, I like it. I, you know, it's it's got to be timely. We don't want to overuse it. But I think in the right spots. Uh, I enjoy the voices, and I actually watched that part on YouTube, and, and seeing Adam crack up was pretty funny, so I enjoyed that. Today on the show, two-star pitchers, Thursday standouts, week seven planner, got some MLB trade deadline chatter. Any big moves going to happen? We shall wait and see. It's going to be an interesting weekend. Uh, we have some Apple Podcast review questions to answer, and continue to send your email questions. Hopefully, we get some of those as well. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I'd be remiss not to start with the seven games that were postponed on Thursday over protests of the Jacob Blake shooting and the social injustice taking place in the United States. We saw some very powerful stuff in City Field as both teams stood for a moment of silence that lasted 42 seconds to honor Jackie Robinson, who, of course, broke the color barrier and wore the number 42. The teams then collectively left the field with nothing but a Black Lives Matter shirt over home plate. We don't usually talk politics here on the podcast and social issues because I know many of our listeners use this hour of content as an escape. Heck, I know that I do. This is my favorite hour of the day, and I'm I'm not just saying that. I love talking fantasy baseball, and I love to do so with Scott White. So we will keep this brief, but I just want to remind everybody uh, to please have compassion and practice empathy throughout these tough times. All right, two-star pitchers, Scott. Let's jump right into it. And look... We'll start this off by saying we have no idea what's going to happen next week. All of these postponements have kind of thrown everything for a loop. Uh, Scott texted me like 30 minutes ago, and he's like, I need more time. I'm trying to figure out the scheduling. And so we're trying to 
figure this all out together right now. But let's try to do it. Scott, mm-hmm. as of now, who is one of your favorite two-star pitchers heading into week seven that is rostered in less than 80% of CBS leagues? Just to give a little more context for it, um, we don't know exactly when, you know, presumably these games that were postponed, they're going to be made up as doubleheaders at some point. Thursday, a day series are ending, so it's not like they can just play a doubleheader tomorrow. Uh, Off days might align next week to have teams play more games than are expected, and obviously that messes up the pitching rotation plan. Uh, and a lot of times I was just guessing, you know, who to push back based on, you know, half half the league uh, not playing on Thursday unexpectedly. So, and then, you know, some teams, uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be a situation where, you know, some teams weren't playing on Thursday and haven't had a chance to decline to play if if they so choose. So there could still be more is what I'm saying. Okay, so that being said, a lot of guesswork here. Uh, <laughs> looks like Ian Anderson's in line for two starts, and he's still highly available, believe it or not. Uh, he should be picked up anyway, but especially with two starts at Boston versus Washington. I like that. Brad Keller, he's rostered in 80% of leagues still. It, it looks like actually this upcoming week will be the two-start week rather than this past week where he gave you just one stinker. So I would hold on to him for another week. Uh, at least one uh, one week. I, I think actually the floor, despite this week's stinker, is is pretty high. Though the ceiling may not be so high, but he does get the White Sox who strike out a lot, the Indians who aren't a very good offense. I think you could go with him. Marco Gonzalez, kind of a similar pitcher in terms of downside versus upside. It's more about high downside. You know, even though it's a low ceiling pitcher. And he's in line for two starts, so I think he's a perfectly viable option in all fantasy leagues. Uh, That's about it that I'd be willing to recommend across the board. There are some two-start options that I think might make sense in a points league where it's a much lower threshold to meet. A two-star pitcher has a much lower threshold to meet, like Dakota Hudson, I I pretty much never start him in a roto league because he's such a liability for whip, but being a great ground ball pitcher, he tends to be, he tends to work deep into games. He's pretty good at limiting runs at Cincinnati at the Cubs this week. I think he's fine for points leagues. Anthony Desclafani, one of his two starts is at Pittsburgh kind of risky, but you know, in a points league, if you have roster spot to take on an extra pitcher, it might be worth it. Sean Manai has been a little better. His last three starts still not great. I wouldn't be comfortable using him in a road league, but one of his two starts is against the Mariners. And Patrick Sandoval, this is my really deep two-start sleeper. Again, I wouldn't do it in a categories league. It's too dangerous, but if you're just chasing volume in a points league, he has a really good changeup. Uh, he hasn't been pitching deep into games yet, but he's he's done a good job of of limiting damage, and I think there there is a real skill there with the changeup, and he has a matchup against the Mariners as well. So Patrick Sandoval is your deep sleeper two star pitcher for this week. I will say one of those starts are against the Astros. Last time out against the Astros, two and two thirds, seven hits, five earned, two walks, one strikeout. So. He hasn't been great. He has a 6.75 ERA, but that's why Scott said only in deeper leagues. Again, that is Patrick Sandoval. 
so I guess Ian Anderson is really the the top ad. He's just fifty one percent rostered, and he should be added anyway. Look pretty good, pretty damn good against my Yankees. Uh, yeah, I'm say. surprised that didn't go up more from yesterday. I think it only went from forty two to fifty one. Yeah, I don't know what that says about the audience, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know who. I don't know in what sort of league Ian Anderson would not have been added after that debut. One hitting the Yankees over six innings and looking impressive doing it. I agree. I think by the weekend, that number should be at least 70%. I feel like that would make a lot of sense. A name that I was looking at, I don't know if he's still going to have the two-star week, but I'll just mention him anyway because he was pretty good on Thursday too. Kwang Hyun Kim, 53% rostered. He is at the Reds and at the Cubs or was supposed to be for next week, and I looked into those two matchups. Uh, they would rank 18th and 22nd, respectively, in OPS versus left-handed pitching, so not bad matchups. And uh, on Thursday against the Pirates, six innings, three hits, one run, zero earned, one walk, three strikeouts. That's two straight six-inning starts with zero earned runs for Kwang Hyun Kim. So yeah, cross my yeah, fingers. Still, I, I hope it's it, a two-star week. It's plausible he makes two starts, and obviously I'll update this list on late Sunday afternoon, as I always do, to give you the latest and greatest info there. Uh, Kwang Yun Hyun Kim is uh, he's at least a, he's a good ground ball pitcher. He hasn't been missing many bats, but he has a high ground ball rate. A combined one walk over twelve innings in his past two starts. So if he's going to be a control pitcher and a ground ball pitcher, you know that's that's enough to work with particularly when you're talking about a two-star week, if it is a two-star week, which right now I'm saying it's not, but it could be. <laughs> <laughs> if you're following along, again, it's a lot of moving parts, but that is uh, Kwang Hyun Kim for the St. Louis Cardinals. All right, enough of this. Let's move on to Thursday. Oh, my good goodness gracious. Scott, I will give you one guess as to who my oh-my-goodness-gracious player of the day and night was. Oh, man, I got a guess. Oh, I know who it is. I know who it is. Should I start between running this, running my this victory laps? And, <laughs> between this pick and Jose Abreu last week, <sighs> everything's coming up frank lately. Uh, it's about, look, after all the apologies, Scott, I deserve this. Honestly, <laughs> from Trevor Bauer, Tyler Glass now, I've been apologizing left and right. Manny Machado, a triple dong over the doubleheader on Thursday, entering Thursday's action. He was the number one third baseman in both head-to-head points and in Roto Leagues. Has been a bit of a letdown position this year, but I ain't taking anything away from my man, Manny Machado. He's also top three shortstop in both formats as well. I was actually talking to one one of my buddies on Twitter, Mike Kurland, and he said he thinks Machado is back in the conversation as a late first, early second round pick heading into next year. We still have another month to play out here, Scott, but... Uh, what do you think about that? It seems, uh, seems a little a, steep. That's a bold pick, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for him. <laughs> uh, look, I, Manny Machado striking out less than he was last year, and he has a much higher line drive rate than ever in his career. His line drive rate has actually been pretty low year after year, which is uh, why once he got out of Baltimore, he started to look more like Mike Moustakis, I think because the batting batted ball profile really did mirror Moustakas's. Uh So, you know, if, if that's an actual skill change and not just a small, uh, the result of the noise of small sample size, you know, small sample size noise, then Manny Machado, you know, is probably back to being a stud. Uh, I, 
it's a little too early for me to go there, but it's it's not far fetched. It's not far fetched at all that he could have made the adjustments necessary to uh, to really stand out in his his new environment. Not that he was a dud before, you know. My Mike Mustakis, at least in a normal year, Mike Mustakis is a quality fantasy option in his own right. Just not the first or second round type that we we always drafted Machado to be with the Orioles. Yeah, I mean the the Statcast page looks pretty good too. Two ninety four batting average. His expected batting average is three twelve. Uh, three twelve. That is in the eighty ninth percentile, and the X slug eighty third percentile. Barrel rate looks good. X Woba, 86th percentile. Mike Moustakas, man, might be back. Uh, this is like sometimes you just bet on talent, right? Like I know the batted ball numbers did not look good the past couple of years, but I think Fernando Tatis's ascension, the way that he has taken off, has really helped Machado. He doesn't feel like he has to carry the team. Maybe he doesn't have that pressure like he did before. And it just seems like he's playing with confidence. He's got some great players around him. Eric Hosmer's playing well. Jay Cronenworth we talk about a lot here on the show. Um, and, and I think that has really helped Manny Machado. So first, second round, probably too early for me, but I could see maybe the 2-3 turn next year, maybe a third round pick. I don't think that's crazy for Manny Machado. A Thursday standout for you, Scott, whether good or bad. Jesse Winker, the oh, Winking one. I see what you did Jesse there. Jesse Winker, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, he uh, <laughs> two home runs in the first game of a doubleheader, two more hits in the second game of the doubleheader, including a double. And that was after a six-game stretch where he had a total of three hits. You know, he lost a lot of momentum when they... What, I can't remember why they had games canceled. I think it was because of a, a positive test for... Oh, on their own team, right? I can't remember. I can't remember. They had like a weekend series canceled. Yes, that is correct. And when he was just catching fire. And so you have to wonder if that threw off his timing or if him catching fire was just an isolated hot streak. It was, it was difficult to say at that point, but the stat cast data remained very strong for Jesse Winker. Like, you know, Freddie Freeman, like in terms of his expected stats, in terms of how hard he was hitting the ball, uh, coming into this game, top five in percent in the league in exit velocity, an expected batting average of three Oh nine expected slug of six twenty four, And that was coming Oof. into this, Wow. day where he hit the two home runs. So like it it still suggested that he was doing he, he was doing different things at the plate this year than last year. Really even in 2018 when he was beginning to make a name for himself in fantasy. And uh, of course the 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 biggest skill Winker has is just getting on base. Uh, but if he's going to impact the ball like he has so far this year and and you know, hopefully back on track with today's performance. I think it's pretty easy to project his skill set for a 300, 400, 500 slash line, if not even better with uh, with the slugging there, especially. Yeah, so that would make him a pretty enticing player. I asked about Machado. I know we're still playing out this year, and I don't want to jump too much into next year, but you can even kind of relate it to uh, rest-of-season rankings. You know, Nick Castellanos also hit his 10th home run on Thursday. He added a couple of more hits as well. You know, if you're looking at those two outfielders, Scott, just rest-of-season this year and carrying over into next year, what are we looking at for those two? Like, Castellanos, top 15-ish outfielder, Winker, top 30? I mean, I think if he keeps this up, he might even have a chance to 
continue to climb heading into next yeah. year. Yeah, sure. I I mean, I can tell you where I have them right now. I have Castellanos 11th in my outfield rankings. Okay. I have Jesse Winker 37th. <laughs> like, I, I feel like, I feel like there's, of course, the further down you go in the rankings, the more quickly a player can move because he's not having to pass these, uh, you know, these, these stalwarts in fantasy. So it's just easier to move up the list. Like I have Ramon Laureano ahead of Winker right now. That could easily yes. be flipped. J.D. Davis, Mark can I like them a lot, but Winker could cruise past them, especially if he gets rolling again. But then you get into like Santander, Trent Grisham, Kyle Lewis, some of the biggest breakouts this year who have sustained it longer than Winker has. So, I mean, I think Winker, if, if he has the kind of slash line I'm talking about, uh, you know, if he, if he has that at season's end, I, I think it's easy to call him a top 20 outfielder for next year. But I just don't want to get ahead of myself, uh, which is also why I'm not ready to say Manny Machado is a third-round pick next year either. Yeah, exactly. Like We still have a whole nother month left, so let's see what happens. But I can easy, easily see Winker moving ahead of, you know, this group of the other breakout names, you know, inside that top 30 around names like Eddie Rosario, like Michael Conforto. Uh, I don't think that's crazy and. Potentially even move ahead of them. So let's see what happens. Yeah, like I have Jorge Soler nineteenth. Like I, if if Winker has the kind of slash line, I suggest he might. That he's probably better than Jorge Soler. Fair enough. News and notes. This one hurts, man. The Dodgers placed Walker Buehler on the ten day IL retroactive to August twenty third with a blister on his right hand. Not really much you can do. You're not dropping Walker Buehler. I guess just. Hope this gets better sooner rather than later. We've yeah, that sounds like a minimal stay to me. Yeah, and the Dodgers, of course, love to put pitchers on the IL with blisters uh, too. Like this is the classic Rich Hill right here. It would happen yeah. all the time. I mean, I'm I'm sure. Obviously, during a full length season, we 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 presume they're doing it to limit pitchers' innings, and that wouldn't be the case here. Uh, it's it's probably they realized. Walker Bueller would have to skip his next start. So let's just play it safe and put him on the IL. That's what I'm assuming happened here. And Tony Gonsolin, they're calling him back up to start Sunday, I believe. And um, there's a good chance he'll make another start this upcoming week. And he's actually somebody you might want to consider as a one-start sleeper. If you need one, his matchup would be against the Rockies, but in Los Angeles. Yeah, so that's not that's not a bad look. Tony Gonsolin, twenty nine percent rostered, fourteen and two thirds innings this season. He has is yet to allow a run. Again, he is pitching this Sunday against the Texas Rangers. So pay attention to that start. Uh, and if it looks like he's good to make another start, then yes, you definitely uh, want to get him on your team as a streaming pitcher heading into next week. Speaking of the Dodgers, they recalled Gavin Lux as the twenty ninth man for their doubleheader Thursday. This is just the ultimate tease, huh, Scott? Because it's like they call him up. They, they yeah. treat him like he's just that guy that you just call up for a double hitter, right? Like some random scrub. Meanwhile, he's one of the top prospects in baseball. He was sent down right after the game. He went 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. People keep asking, do we hold on to Gavin Lux? What do you think, Scott? Well, how badly do you need a second baseman? And would you be inclined to stash a prospect normally? Because with all the prospect call-ups we've seen... Uh, already like he, he's about the best of what's left you know we're kind of running out of stash stashable prospects he's he's on the short list of them 
at this point. So, you know, like a, a, a 12 team league where every team rosters 21, 22, 23 players, you probably don't need to hold on to them, but anything deeper than that, somebody in your league is going to want to stash them, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think in a roto league, any league that has a middle infielder, a second baseman plus a middle infielder, you should probably continue to hold Lux there. But standard head to head points, redraft, five bench spots, only start one second baseman. I don't think that you need to hold Lux. And it goes without saying you have to hold him in keeper and dynasty leagues. We have trades. The Blue Jays have acquired right handed pitcher. I don't know why I say that. You know, I just copy and paste these notes in here and it says RHP and sometimes. I apologize. Taiwan Walker from the Mariners. The Blue Jays have acquired Taiwan Walker for a player to be named later and cash considerations. Scott, does this matter? I don't I don't think really, no. Um, it doesn't. He's one of the most I mean, added players, and I don't really get it because he's actually moving to a worse park to pitch in. Yeah, I don't know if that's a reaction to this trade as much as it is just the way... He's been okay. He's, yeah. He has been four ERA and five starts, one oh seven whip, a uh, little less than a strikeout per inning, not with a lot of swings and misses. So I'm skeptical of it. And three of his five starts were in Seattle, which is a very good place to pitch. Two of his three road starts were pretty bad. Oh, I'm sorry, only two road starts. One of them was pretty bad. And one was his worst of the season. One was good in Texas. So I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in Taiwan Walker. This gives me less confidence confidence in him. I'll just leave it at that. Well, what do you think about this name, Scott? I just pulled up the most added list on CBS. Would you rather own Taiwan Walker or, we haven't mentioned this name yet, Michael Pineda, who is 14% rostered. Now, this is a very sneaky ad because he was suspended to start the season to this point. He has been pitching at Twins camp, and he is set to return next week. So he is widely available. Would you be looking to add Michael Pineda right now, Scott? It is a sneaky ad. So what day specifically is he eligible to return? Uh, Expected to join Minnesota's rotation next week. Doesn't say. It doesn't say exactly now. Yeah, I saw somebody do this in the podcast league, and I was like, oh, I wish I had thought of that. Because Michael Pineda was on a nice run at the end of last season. He had changed his pitch mix. I think he had, I think his changeup, which he'd been working on for years, was was finally had finally reached a point where it was is really fleshing out his arsenal. And he's somebody who can pitch deep into games with consistency. I, I don't know if we can count on him being stretched out and you know, with only one month to go. Um, not a lot of time to do that on the fly. But I mean it's worth a it's worth a shot at a position where I'm I'm sure you're you're just hoping you can find something else that can help you down the stretch. My hope is that he's been pitching at the Twins alternate site and that has allowed him to be stretched out. And, you know, they might take it easy as first start or so. But yeah. that is that is the hope. Scott, is he behind names like Ian Anderson, the New Age Stallions, Eliezer Hernandez, Sixto Sanchez? Is Michael Pineda behind those guys? Yes, but probably not far behind him. Just to give you just to give you actual numbers. His last 11 starts last year, Michael Pineda had a 2.76 ERA, a whip that was just a little over 1 and 73 strikeouts in 65 in the third innings. I mean, he was looking like a good strikeout pitcher too. So he 
he had figured something out and I was attributing it to the changeup. Mm. Remember the name. If you are desperate, Michael Pineda, the other trade of the day, the Rays acquired outfielder Brett Phillips from the Royals for shortstop prospect Lucius Fox. I don't really get it. I don't think it matters for fantasy, but I never bet against the Rays when it comes to trading. Charlie Morton was scheduled to throw 25 to 30 pitches over two innings Thursday, and that session went well. Manager Kevin Cash called the sim game, quote, a big step in the right direction despite his positive progress. It still remains to be seen when the pitcher could return to the starting rotation. The Pirates placed Colin Moran on the seven-day concussion injured list, retroactive to August 24th, and the Pirates placed Keone Kella on the 10-day IL, retroactive to August 24th, with right forearm tightness. Richard Rodriguez picked up a save on Thursday. It was his second save of the season. He did allow two runs. Only one of those were earned. He is 7% rostered. So, Roto Leagues, go out and grab Richard Rodriguez. Yeah, I would think so. It was a shaky outing. Nick Turley got a save in the second game of the doubleheader. I assume they just, I assume Rodriguez just wasn't available for that game. And Nick Turley's not really anybody you be, should be interested in anyway. I might, yeah, you know what? I'll just, yeah, Richard, Richard Rodriguez, if, you, if you're really hurting for saves in leagues where they gobbled up right away, then he needs to be picked up too. I was hoping you didn't look at the box score for that game. I was going to ask if you thought Nick Turley was an actual Pirates reliever or an FBT listener. Yeah, well, sorry. Sorry to spoil your game, Frank. <laughs> Yeah, way to do your job, Scott. Stop <laughs> looking at box scores. <laughs> uh, I'm going to expand that, by the way. It's not just raise relievers. We get so many ridiculous relievers that just get saves. I'm going to expand it to, like, any team. Continue to send those in. We already have a few in the inbox. Thursday standout, Scott. Some other names that were interesting to me. Uh, some Pirates. Will Myers, low-key, has been pretty good this year. He had a walk-off home run in game one of the doubleheader, his eighth homer of the season. He is batting 274 with a 943 OPS. Your boy, Jay Cronenworth, four more hits over two games. He is batting 360 with an OPS over 1,000. He is 65% rostered. That probably could still increase a little bit more considering oh. his triple versatility. Again, that mm-hmm. is Jake, Jake Cronenworth. Scott, let me ask you, would you start him over... I was going to save this for later, but it's it's like part of our Week 7 planner. Benching Josh Bell. Would you bench Josh Bell for Jake Cronenworth next week? Not only would I, I've done it. Which mm. is as, as much to do with my enthusiasm for Cronenworth as, as Josh Bell's struggles. Fair enough. Uh, sticking with the Padres, Garrett Richards was at home against the Mariners, and he got destroyed. He only recorded two outs, four hits, six earned, zero, uh, two walks, zero strikeouts. He allowed two home runs in the first inning. Um, this was really his first terrible start of the season. 59% rostered. Scott, would you drop Would you drop Garrett Richards for Michael Pineda? Yes. Yes. I don't think... Like, I don't think you ha- it's, it's an automatic drop for Richards after this start, but he is not in the circle of trust as starting pitchers go. He hadn't bottomed out yet, but he wasn't showing a lot of signs that you could really count on him either. So it wasn't terribly shocking to see this happen, even though it was versus Seattle. So yeah, anybody, anybody who is showing signs of life on the waiver wire at starting pitcher 
you know, I'd, I'd drop Richard for Gonsolin. I'd drop him for Dane Dunning, by the way, who I think might be making his return to the White Sox rotation this week. Hmm. Let's do it. Cross your fingers. That'd be fun. Dane Dunning looked pretty good in his first start, fell apart during his final inning of work. Clayton Kershaw and Sonny Gray just doing what they always do on Thursday. Uh, they actually entered their starts as both top eight in fantasy points per game among starting pitchers. Clayton Kershaw was at the Giants. Six innings, no runs, four strikeouts. Sonny Gray was against the Brewers. Five innings, zero runs, four strikeouts. Just kind of hoping for more out of Sonny Gray. 85 pitches. I don't know if there's a reason why they limited him in this one. Uh, anything to add? Kershaw and Sonny Gray. Probably not, Scott. They're just... Yeah, I mean, good. this was this was among their lesser starts this year, which tells you how their year's been going, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, they're studs. Stick with them. Kevin Gausman was against the Dodgers on Thursday. Four and two-thirds, three hits, two earned, two walks, Six strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes. The swinging strikes just continue to come for Gausman on 93 pitches. He is 50% rostered. Next week, he is at the Colorado Rockies, unless, of course, he's traded. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind a reunion with the Braves for Kevin Gausman with the way he's been pitching this year. But not a good matchup for him at Coors Field. He's not somebody I'd trust there. I do think he should be rostered in most fantasy leagues for the strikeout potential. I mean, he's it's an elite swinging strike rate, and his previous four starts were at least five innings. So it's not like he's getting pulled after four and two thirds in every start. I think uh, I I think you'll be interested in using Gosman more starts than not. Adrian Hauser was against the Reds on Thursday. Four innings, nine hits, four earned, three strikeouts. He is rostered in 71% of CBS leagues. Earlier in the week, he was supposed to be a two-start week. I don't know how that's going to shake out anymore, but are we looking at at dropping Adrian Hauser, Scott, because he really hasn't been... He hasn't been great the past couple of starts. Not great, Bob. Yeah, he's really leaned into the ground ball tendencies. He's throwing his four-seamer less his sinker more, his ground ball rate is through the roof. So, you know, that's always going to keep him useful, but you'd rather him not sacrifice the strikeout potential that what was a very good four-seamer was giving him. So, like, like the strikeouts are way down. So that that's part of the – part of the, one of the keys to his success last year has been removed, and he's a lesser pitcher because of it. And it makes him pretty fringy, though – you know, you'd need a pretty good alternative out there to pick him up. All right, I'll run through some names. You tell me, yeah. will you drop Adrian Hauser for this player, Ian Anderson? Yes. Sixto Sanchez? Yes. Eliezer Hernandez? Yes. Justice Sheffield? Mm, I don't think I would. I think but I'm not the Sheffield guy. <sighs> what would you do, Frank? Uh, he has a good start next week, Justice Sheffield. He's going up against... The Texas Rangers, who are one of the bottom 10 teams in terms of WOBA this season, weighted on base average. They I would do the that. third fewest runs. I, and obviously the fewest is the Cardinals because they've played less games than everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like to use WOBA just because, like, I guess yeah, it's yeah. weighted on that an equal sense. scale. But, um, yeah, I'll drop, I'll drop Adrian Hauser for Justice Sheffield, especially if you just need a streamer. I, I like that matchup against the Texas Rangers. Scott, would you do it for... 
Brett Anderson, who we've actually been getting some questions recently about. I would not, though. Hauser is kind of profiling like Brett Anderson right now. <laughs> Last but not least, every question will be regarded around Michael Pineda today. Would you drop Hauser for Pineda? I would drop Hauser for Michael Pineda. Mm, you heard it there from the man, the myth, Scott White. Deep league interest O meter. This is way too many words in front of an O meter, but I couldn't figure out what else to call it. So the deep <laughs> league interest O meter. Marlin, uh, Marlins, Mariners prospect. How do you say this guy's name? I'm going to assume that it's just LJ Newsom. First yeah. start of his career on Thursday. He looked pretty good. Four innings, three hits, one earned, zero walks, four strikeouts. And the numbers are not bad in the minors either. He's not like a highly ranked prospect. He's like barely inside their top 30 when I was looking him up. 28 starts across three levels in 2019. 3.54 ERA, 1.08 whip, 169 strikeouts, and 155 innings pitched. And he's really good command. Like he doesn't walk anybody. I'm not, not interested in LJ Newsom. It's elite control. It is an example of a player who has one thing he does exceptionally well. And could that be enough to elevate him to relevance, even though skills-wise he rates pretty poorly at everything other than that, other than the control? I mean, we've certainly seen that happen for other players. So LJ Newsom is somebody to keep an eye on for sure. It looks like he's... It looks like the Mariners are sticking with a six-man even after moving Taiwan Walker, and, and Newsom is stepping into that role himself. And the reason you were confused about the pronunciation of the name is because it's spelled L-J-A-Y. Yeah, like that's his first name. <laughs> that's yeah. it. I, I think it's L-J too, but I'm, I'm not sure. Like there's not a lot of information out there because he was such a, you know, most, most prospect rankings, even the deepest ones cut off at 30 for an organization. And I think MLB.com has LJ Newsom as the Mariners' 29th prospect, and Baseball Reference mm -hmm. and Baseball America, I mean, doesn't even have him in the top 30. Oh, so there's there's a it's a little light on the reading material for LJ Newsom, but he's he's uh, he was good enough in the minors with one really good skill, and I think that makes him worth monitoring. Sam Haggerty, who played left field for the Mariners on Thursday, uh, has now has hit a hit in all eight games this season, is batting 303. Minor league numbers are pretty bad, but he does steal a lot of bases. 4% rostered. What is your interest-o-meter in deeper leagues on Sam Haggerty? Pretty low. Pretty low. I'm not... Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not confident he's going to play regularly. And... It's not somebody who I was looking forward to his arrival. So I'm probably going to pass him over. Well, maybe you were looking forward to the arrival of Reds prospect, Jose Garcia, who only played in game one of the doubleheader, went one for two with a single, a walk, and a stolen base. A 22-year-old prospect has not played above high A ball. Last year in 104 games, hit 208 with eight homers and 15 steals. He is 7% rostered and has seven games next week. So... Jose Garcia, what is your interest o meter in deeper leagues, Scott? Now he's a, he's a genuine prospect, so I'll give him in deeper leagues like a like a seven maybe. He got a lot of helium in spring training. He was playing a lot. He hit a few homers. Um, 
the scouting report on him, at least baseball Americas, don't actually give him a high grade for power. They they mostly value him for his defense. So I don't know if if that's a skill that suddenly developed for him and is good, has made him a much bigger prospect overall because there there were definitely some within the fantasy baseball community getting really high, getting getting really excited on about <laughs> Jose Garcia in a way that surprised me. So now he's up. Now he's looks like he's going to be the Reds' everyday shortstop with Freddie Galvis going to the bench. So, uh, yeah, let's see how that goes. Yeah, and the Reds, I mean, prior to this doubleheader, the offense had been sputtering a little bit. So, you know, I think they're just trying to find ways for for a bit of a shot in the arm uh, for the Cincinnati Reds. So Jose Garcia in deeper leagues. And when we say deeper leagues, you know, anything deeper than 12 teams, if you 14-team league, 15-team roto, AL only, NL only, whatever it might be, uh, those are some of the formats where you can look at some of these names. All right, we're going to take a break. But before we do that, I want to remind everyone to join our Facebook group. Lots of awesome questions, interactions there. Uh, I saw an email earlier today. I will respond to this gentleman as well. But he was asking, you know, how do I get into competitive fantasy baseball leagues? And I know that there was a running thread on our Facebook group where it's a bunch of people just trying to find leagues to play in against each other. So I'd assume, obviously, if they're part of our Facebook group, they listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. they're going to be competitive leagues. So Let's you could play t- matchmaker. I Let's love it. do it. Facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. And right after you do that, subscribe to our YouTube channel, our fantasy baseball today, YouTube channel where you can see what I'm wearing. Uh, not really anything <laughs> awesome today. It's like a little purple V neck. I have a bunch of Yankee stuff behind me. Uh, Scott is rocking the polo uh-huh. classic Scott white couch in the background, but you could see us on video on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, I have some bullpen notes. We'll talk about some trade deadline chatter. Is anything crazy going to happen? And then we'll help you set your lineups for week seven. We'll do that here, fantasy baseball today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Some bullpen notes from Thursday. Taylor Williams, yowza. 0.2 innings pitch, two hits, two walks, one strikeout, five earned runs. That is the equivalent of a 67 point. You're right, Scott. Just looked like oh. you were having an earthquake in your house or something. <laughs> just adjusting my camera. I look up don't, and Scott's camera is just going all over the place. Don't it's mind like, me. This is a casual affair. I, I shouldn't be afraid to adjust the camera if it looks like I'm sinking into my floor. Uh, Taylor Williams had a 67.5 ERA and a 6.00 whip on uh, Thursday for those in Roto League. So you, you hate to see that. Is there anyone that we should be looking at in 
the Mariners bullpen behind Taylor Williams, Scott? I don't think so. I mean, Hirano's back. I always forget his first name, but Hirano is back. Uh, Matt Adams is not. Not at Matt Adams. Gosh, Austin Adams is not. Uh, Carl Edwards just got moved to the 45-day IL, so he's not coming back. I, I had actually gotten kind of comfortable with Taylor Williams because he had like a 176 XBA and, you know, the strikeout rate was good. He's a 29-year-old with no track record. So, you know, joke's on me, I guess. But he had, he had really solidified that role, it seemed like. And I'm, I'm skeptical they'd move on from him based on this performance. However, I may have been wrong to put much trust in him. I mean, he has been pretty good, you know, outside of this blow up. I think there was one other maybe bad appearance that he had, but uh, he had been pretty good for a while. So I think he's all right for now. Yoshi Hirano, I guess, is, is a name to pay attention to. Dan Altavia got a save like in the first week of the season, maybe first two weeks. And then he gave up the walk-off home run to Will Myers on Thursday. So I don't think it's going to be him either. He's not very good. Some relievers that you could potentially stash ahead of the trade deadline, Scott. We've already had... One sneaky addition on today's podcast, Michael Pineda. Uh, but, you know, the Royals, I think, might be the most likely to trade their closer, who is currently Trevor Rosenthal. If they did that, would you? who would you foresee being the next man up? Would it be Scott Barlow, who has pitched very well, or even uh, Josh Stalmont, who has been very good also? Both of those guys. Josh Stalmont has a... Nearly 18K per nine, but he also oh. has like seven BB per nine. Oh, the, the old Robbie Ray. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the relief pitcher version. Um, I don't know. I mean, it took... I, I don't think Trevor Rosenthal was officially declared the closer, right? And Mike Matheny messed around with it for a while. It, it took... It took a while for us to get to a point where we felt confident trusting in Trevor Rosenthal for saves. So I imagine if Trevor Rosenthal were to move on, there'd be a lot of messing around again. Like Greg Holland himself could get traded or maybe he emerges as the closer, you know? So yeah, that's, that's tough. I, Scott Barlow, just based on the numbers, would be who I would expect. But it could be any of those others. Josh Stalmont with the crazy strikeout rate or Greg Holland, who of course has some experience closing. Are there any other potential closers you see being moved. I guess the only other one that comes to me is Keone Kella, but I don't think that's going to happen now that he's been placed on the IL. Maybe Brandon Kinsler with the Marlins, but there's not really anyone that's like good directly behind Brandon Kinsler. I think Steven Tarpley has picked up a save or two behind him, but he's a left-handed pitcher. Plus, I'm not so convinced the Marlins are sellers. I mean, in the end, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but right. they're... They're right in the thick of it now. So, um, yeah, and the Tigers obviously just made a closer change there. And we don't even really know who the lead guy is anymore. Uh, who else is obviously not in the running? The Giants, but I'm looking at a list of the top trade candidates, and they have Tony Watson here, who they haven't even had a save opportunity in a while. So I don't know who the mm -hmm. Giants closer is. It might still be Trevor Gott, but... We've seen that experiment. Yeah, that's not him. I, I don't know who it is either. I would guess Tony Watson gets the next save. But like, the Rangers appear to be out of it. So maybe Rafael Montero. 
in which case I'd Jonathan Hernandez be betting on Jonathan Hernandez. Right. How about the Red uh, Sox if they traded away Matt Barnes? I mean, if they traded away <laughs> Matt Barnes, is there anyone else to pitch? They might be doing themselves a favor. No, there's nobody else. There's nobody else you'd want from that bullpen. It is a disaster. Uh, yeah, this yeah, is it's, not... Uh, it's pretty bad. I'm looking at roster resource. They have the setup man as Austin Bryce for the Red Sox. Uh, Ryan Brazier is a name that is still there. They tried a couple of years ago with him being the closer, and he wasn't very good. All the so. bad teams. like I don't know. Would the defending Nationals give in? Like uh, The thing maybe. is, any team could still go on like a... Six, seven, eight game winning streak. And, and anybody can make it because yeah. basically everyone <laughs> makes the playoffs this year. It's and like, I, what, I would think the Nationals teams? coming off a World Series championship with, you know, two great pitchers and uh, Juan Soto. I, I don't think they I don't think they'd be willing to pack it in and over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't see a lot of closer changes happening here. But if they did, if they did decide to trade Daniel Hudson, it's probably Tanner Rainey. Is the next man up? Yeah, he certainly looks like he has closer stuff. It would not be Sean Doolittle, I don't think. So is he even back yet? I thought he just came back, but I could be wrong. He might, yeah. but and, either way, anyway, like he's Tanner, been, Rainey, Tanner Rainey would definitely be the one to target there. Yeah, Doolittle's been so bad. I, I don't think that they would throw him back in. Anyway, uh, other yeah, names that are being bandied about heading into a trade deadline weekend: Mike Clevenger, Dylan Bundy, Lance Lynn. J.D. Martinez. Those are some of the higher-end names. I don't know if any of those are going to be moved. Uh, Kevin Galsman, Johnny Cueto, basically any Pirates are available is what I've read, but uh, the poor Pirates, they can't do anything right. Keone Kella is hurt. He's supposed to be a trade chip. Joe Musgrove is hurt. Apparently, he would be a trade chip for them. Josh Bell, they can't even trade him because he's batting like 190, so that just stinks. Do uh, you think any big moves happen this weekend, Scott? I... I'm... I don't know. My hunch is no. My hunch is no. Most teams are in it. And I think it would be more peripheral pieces that move. But like, it's obviously a very weird situation this season. And I think, I think GMs are generally the risk averse sort. So that generally leads to inaction. And I think that's mostly what we'll see. Oh, one other closer switch that could potentially happen, even though they're very much in the thick of the race, is like I could see the Indians doing, going, uh, you know, trying to be extra clever and and moving Brad Hand, the kind of the way they did Trevor Bauer while in mm. the race last year, and then James Karinchak becomes the closer. I could see that, <laughs> though. It's it's a little far fetched. Wild thing. James Karinchak, man, he is awesome. The last name I'll throw out there is Clint Frazier. I know we spoke about him as a drop candidate the other day. If you're still holding him in deeper leagues, maybe just hold him throughout the weekend to see if he is moved in in a potential deal somewhere else where he winds up with everyday playing time because that's really just what we've been waiting for Clint Frazier. I I think he can be you know, decently valuable if he actually played every day for either the Yankees or another team, so... Pay attention for Clint Frazier. Week seven, Scott. Let's try and figure this out together because who knows what's going on. I uh, mentioned it earlier. Quick little segment here I want to do. Bench Josh Bell for blank. Would you bench him? Because he is bad. Josh Bell is just very bad right now. It's something off with him. Would you bench Josh Bell for Edwin Encarnacion, who has seven games next week, Scott? 
I don't think I would, no. You've already said that you'll do it for Jake Cronenworth. How about Christian Walker, who has six road games? I believe three are in Los Angeles, three are in Oracle. Yeah, and he's he's uh, he's having a good season, particularly in terms of batting average. Like the the profile really lends itself to a high batting average. I suspect more power is coming. I think I would do that. I think I'd sit Bell for Christian Walker. How about for Mitch Moreland? He has seven games next week. As of now, it looks like two left-handed pitchers, and there's one TBD, so maybe a third. Who knows? And it could change very quickly. I, <laughs> I don't think I'd do that. I it's, think I'd it, stick with Bell. Yeah, gosh. Mitch Moreland just crushing it. Ryan Mountcastle also playing pretty well to this point. He is 6-for-16 with two doubles and four walks, the Baltimore Orioles prospect. He has seven games next week. Would you bench Josh Bell for Ryan Mountcastle? I don't think I would, Frank. I don't think I would. What does this say about me? You're wrinkling your nose. You don't like any of this. I kind you of want, want to. You want Josh Bell out of there. Yeah, he's, he's just been so bad. Uh, maybe maybe he'll make for a, a nice little bounce back candidate next year, but I don't know. I just, what is he? It's not what he's been, Frank. It's what he's going to be. Well, this is... I, just, this I, is I feel the, like the Pirates just have... Like, there's no energy there. Like, no one is really playing well for that team. Seriously, like, no one is playing Nobody well for that. Brian right. Reynolds has been hot garbage this year, and it, it's well, tough. They're, they're only thought to have two good players. I mean, there was hope for Mitch Keller. There was hope for Joe Musgrove to maybe become a third and fourth player. But, like, only Josh Bell and uh, and Brian Reynolds were thought to be good players coming in. And, yeah, they've both, they've both done nothing. So... I still, I still believe in Josh Bell, Frank. I still believe. I'm not completely writing him off, but for next week, I might. And if he performs well on my bench, I'm okay with that because he's been so bad that I think he warrants being benched right now. The last two names I'll ask you about, would you bench for Yandy Diaz, who has six games, three of which are at Yankee Stadium, and Brandon Belt, only plays five games, but two are at Coors. So that kind of counts as yeah. like six. It's just... It's just going too low end for me. Okay, is the thing. Just had I'm to not ask. saying I wouldn't bench Josh Bell for anybody. Obviously, I'd bench. I, I pointed out I would bench him for Jake Cronenworth. Mm-hmm. And right. I don't know. I, I mean, there's probably not much excess out there at first base because there's been there have been so many underachievers at the position in the early going, including Josh Bell. But let me see here. Like Eric Hosmer, I could see sitting Bell for Hosmer if you scooped up Hosmer early on. I like it. Uh, um, let's see. The Mets. The Mets are playing only five games. Mm. So it might be tough to do Dominic Smith. But I'm not totally opposed to it if you want to go that route. Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's some players I do here. All right. Yeah. Oh, it looks like the Marlins only have five games too. I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd sit Bell for Aguilar because of that. I agree. I agree with that. So Scott would bench Bell for Cronenworth, Hosmer, Christian Walker. I agree with all three of those. And I will add Ryan Mountcastle on top of that because I'm A Mountcastle on top. I am Ryan Mountcastle's biggest fan. All right. Bad offenses that you want to stream your pitchers against. These are teams that are in the bottom third in baseball in Woba weighted on base average. Those teams are the Pirates, the Rangers, the Brewers, Mariners, Indians, D-backs, Marlins, Royals, and the Tigers. So I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of these, Scott, and you tell me whether or not you like these single-start streams. 
which I guess are subject to change. Mike Fires at Seattle. He has allowed three runs or less in three straight. I don't hate it. You're always playing with fire. No pun intended. I really did not intend that pun, though. It seems obvious I did with Mike Fires. Of all the dramatic things I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, is there anything else I didn't know? <laughs> that was, right, I appreciate it. Uh, Luke Weaver at the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, I like that one. Danny Duffy versus Cleveland. Hmm. I, I was just looking. I don't think I have Weaver lined up to go against the Giants next week, though I could certainly be wrong. Um, okay, so Burns at Cleveland, sure. I, I'd be fine with Burns against anybody. Uh, actually, I said Danny Duffy at, uh, versus Cleveland. Would you do that, Scott? But Corbin Burns is also at Cleveland, which I do like. Yeah, I'd rather do Burns than Duffy. But Duffy, I, I'd be scared of that. But it's, you know, you could do worse. I like Justice Sheffield versus the Texas Rangers. I've already said that. Scott, how about you? He might show up on my top 10 sleeper pitchers for this week. He'll be toward the bottom if he does, but I have him circled here as a candidate. Dylan Cease at KC. Yeah, he's actually too rostered for me to even put him on the sleeper list, but he keeps getting those AL Central matchups and keeps doing well with them. And that's exactly why I loved all the Twins pitchers too. I thought they were just going to get all these matchups. Shout out to Dylan Cease, man. He's getting lucky. He's... Getting a lot of these good matchups. Josh Lindblom gets an AL Central matchup. He is at home against the Tigers. I want to do that now. How about Matthew Boyd on the other side, who is at Milwaukee? Well, that's a scary place to pitch for a guy with Matthew Boyd's home run profile. But the so Brewers, I, the I, Brewers are bad, Scott. I know the Brewers are bad. I still think that's. I think that's playing with fire too. <laughs> Brett Anderson at Cleveland. I'd rather not. Rich Hill. He's a high floor guy. He's a high floor guy. So you can, you know, that's never a terrible choice. Rich Hill versus Detroit. I think I'd do that. Yeah. Josh Fleming, who someone we haven't really talked about. He's a raised prospect who got called up last week. Uh, he is at home against the Marlins. Oh, uh, nah. Yeah. Nah. Maybe, maybe only in deeper leagues. Um, bad pitching staffs that you want to stream your hitters against would include the Boston Red Sox, the Detroit Tigers, the Angels, the Phillies, the Orioles, the D-backs, the Pirates, the Mariners, Rangers, and the Giants. They are all in the top half of baseball in collective team ERA. And Scott, you sent over the top matchups uh, in terms yep. of top hitting matchups next week. And we're looking at the Atlanta Braves, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Rays, and the Blue Jays. Are there the Reds any Reds and the Blue Jays, not the Rays and the Blue Jays? Yes, the Reds, the Reds yes. and the Blue Jays. Any, any fringy type players, and we can kind of talk this out together on on those collective teams that you might like. Yeah, so I'm not as far along as this process as I normally would be because of the the amount of overhauling that had to be done to the the pitching grid. So, I mean, obviously, Randall Gritchick, he's still hot. I think he's obvious for the Blue Jays. Jesse Winker, obvious, I think, start after the way he's picked things up. Ian Happ, I'm not sure what his... He's up to 75% roster ship, so that might be obvious there with the Cubs having good matchups. Let me think fringier here. Um, you know, I'm interested in seeing what the Yankees do with their lineup in terms of, like, Mike Talkman and Clint Frazier over the weekend because one of them might be somebody you could pick up to play 
in fantasy. Uh, I, I don't Mar- know. For the Braves, Adam Duvall might be a sneaky option in five outfielder leagues. I was thinking Nick Markakis in deeper formats might work. I think Duvall actually plays more consistently. I'll double check that. How about Rowdy Telez, Scott? He's been hot. That could make sense. Yeah, five matchups against righties, and they do have really good matchups. Yeah, it's definitely a deep league play. I don't have, I'm not a big Rowdy Telez guy, especially, you know, it might end up being more than two left handers that they face. But sure, as a deep league play, I could see that. All right, so we hit on, we had a few names there, and you can check that out. Scott's going to write his sleeper hitters and pitchers tonight. Of course, we're recording this Thursday night, and those will be ready for you on Friday afternoon, so you can read that over the weekend to also help you set your lineups for week seven. All right, Scott, 10 questions in five minutes. Adam told me about this, and he says that it has worked in the past, so I'm gonna, going to trust him and see if we can pull this off. Are you ready? I've got the timer ready. Try it, sure. All right, boom, let's go. This is from our Apple Podcast review from Jaravis, Jaruvis, Dom Smith or Alec Baum rest of season. How about in Dynasty? I'm going to say that's Jaravis, and I'm going to say Dominic Smith for the rest of the season, Alec Baum for Dynasty. This one's from B Higgs 4. Grade the trade in a Dynasty League. Give Max Scherzer $45, Kyle Hendricks $25, True Pomeranz for a buck, Get Luis Castillo for $11. He only said Arias. I'm going to assume it's Julio Arias for $6. Kenta Maeda for $1. So a couple of expensive pitchers in Scherzer and Hendricks giving up in a dynasty league to get Maeda, who's better than Hendricks, at a dollar. Yeah, it's going to be hard to keep Scherzer at that. Oh, man, you're getting three cheap pitchers. Luis Castillo at 11 Arias at 6 Maeda at 5 That's I love yeah, this. Yeah, that's easy. That's, uh, uh, that's an A+. Plus. Honestly, in a dynasty context with those keeper values, that's great. Speaking of Max Scherzer, JJ Power 19 asks, has Max Scherzer officially started his decline? Scott, what do you think? I think it's... I think you're really putting the cart before the horse there. It's just not enough of a sample, and like he's certainly continued to strike out batters at a high rate. So, stuff-wise, it looks fine. I think it's just... Early season noise that happens to be mid-season noise because of this wacky season. And I think he got off to a slow start last year as he well. Did. Yep, He's got a 4.31 ERA, a 1.40 whip. Let's see how he closes out the rest of this season. The walks are up. He has a career-high BABIP, small sample, career-high hard contact rate, um, and his swinging strike rate is the lowest since 2014. Let's see what happens over the next month or so. Emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. This one's from Nate. You guys suggested to send these before we make a trade, so I'm taking your advice. I have this offer on the table in a 12-team categories dynasty league. I give Josh Bell and Forrest Whitley. I get Kenta Maeda. Salaries of both sides are equal. Josh Bell and Whitley for Kenta Maeda, Scott. Maeda's kind of an older guy for dynasty league. I, you know, if you're playing for this year, you have a chance to win it all. I think you, I think this is a trade you can justify. If, if not, though, I don't know. I'll, I'll give it an even C if, if it's a grade they're looking for. Yeah, I'll give it a C. This one's from Doug. Would you drop Masahiro Tanaka for Eliezer Hernandez? Yeah, Tanaka's not in the circle of trust for me. I'm not saying Hernandez is, but 
He's, he's showing clearer signs of dominance than Tanaka is. This one's from Peretz. 12-team head-to-head points league. Would you drop Ross Tripling for Brett Anderson? I, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I think Brett Anderson's more usable now, but it's not somebody you're going to miss too badly either. From Matt, dear Joe, John, and Ken. I looked this up. I couldn't find anything. Does anything come to mind for you, Scott? Mm, they're just such common names. Right. It's- it could be anything. really stands out. I'm toying with what to offer the Chris Paddock owner in my 12-team, 10-player keeper league, and I just don't know. Last year, the guy told me he'd take Scherzer for him, who is also struggling this year. Am I crazy to even consider this? Paddock has more long-term upside, and pitching is scarce. I feel like I'm running out of time to get something for Scherzer, but I don't know. If not Scherzer, would you trade Altuve for Paddock? I also have Kevin Biggio. This is a 12-team keeper league. Oh, you may be running out of time to get something for Altuve, too. I mean, Scherzer's definitely older, but, like, I don't know. I still think Scherzer's good. There's not any real evidence to me that he's less than good. So um, I think he'll hold his value into the offseason, and uh, Altuve may recover, but... I'd rather have the high-end pitcher than the high-end hitter, especially if you already have second base accounted for. So I would do Altuve for Paddock. Always always get pitching for hitting when you can. From Samuel. Hello, Lucas, Justin, and Aaron. Oh, man. Nothing's coming to mind. These are the three most recent pitchers who threw a no-hitter. Giolito, Verlander, and Aaron Sanchez, which was a collective effort with the Houston Astros. Grade this trade, please. I gave up... Mike Yastrzemski, Dylan Cease, and Corbin Burns for Mookie Betts in my points league. I still have Garrett Cole, Jack Flaherty, Sonny Gray, Patrick Corbin, Lozardo, etc. Yeah, I I just said always trade hitting for pitching if you can, but like Cease and Burns are not sure things. And Betts is you know, maybe the best player in fantasy. So this is this is a great job of consolidating nice pieces for a true stud and that's that's a trade you should always make too this one's from aaron would you give up jonathan vr jesse winker and mike clevenger to get paul goldschmidt and denelson lamette not convinced that this really moves the needle but i'll need the roster space when slash if walker bueller charlie morton and drew pomeranz ever come off the il yeah, it's it's pretty much an even C for me. I'm not really sure what to make of Paul Goldschmidt yet is part of the problem. He's been great so far. Seems like he's really selling out for contact at at the expense of power, but the power's been there enough that maybe he, you know, maybe in the long run he won't end up shedding that much. I, I don't know. It's still kind of a small sample for him, obviously. Not sure what to make of it. Clevenger and Lamette, I mean, I'd rather have Clevenger, but I'm not sure it's a huge difference. So it's it's kind of it's kind of an even swap in my eyes. I don't know. I I might prefer the Clevenger side just because I'd rather have the highest end pitcher I can get. I think so too. But, Especially if this is a categories league with Jonathan VR. Don't want to give up yeah. those steals. I'm all right with that. I I think I'd keep the Clevenger side. All right, last one. This one's from Sauger. I am in a 12-team points league during the this past week of waivers, one team dropped Ozzy Albies. Currently, I have Kevin Biggio and Cattell Marte at second base. My team is in a position to afford to keep Albies on my bench. 
until he is ready. What percentage of my fab do you guys recommend I use to claim Albies? He could be ready soon, too. I think he could be back this weekend. Yeah. I mean, you have Biggio and Marte, but you find a way to make it work. Put Marte in your outfield. Albies at utility. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I probably... What do we have? A month left? I'd be willing to blow, I don't know, a good portion of it. Yeah. Almost all of it, I'd say. It depends. (laughs) It depends if zero bids count or not in your league. Right. If it's one of those one dollar minimum bids, then you gotta you gotta keep a little in reserve. Yeah, I'm I might go like three quarters, like seventy five percent of my budget on Ozzy Albies here. I, I would not fault you for that. Alrighty, that's it. Another week in the books. He is Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.